0: Ecclesiastes chapter 11, starting reading at verse 7, this is God's word. Truly the light is sweet, and it is pleasant for the eyes to behold the sun. But if a man lives many years and rejoices in them all, yet let him remember the days of darkness, for they will be many, all that is coming is vanity. Rejoice, O young man, in your youth, and let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth. Walk in the ways of your heart and in the sight of your eyes, but know that for all these, God will bring you into judgment. Therefore, remove sorrow from your heart and put away evil from your flesh, for childhood and youth are vanity. Remember now your creator in the days of your youth, Before the difficult days come and the years draw near when you say, I have no pleasure in them. When the sun and the light and the moon and the stars are not darkened and the clouds do not return after the rain. In the day when the keepers of the house tremble and the strong men bow down. When the grinders cease because they are few and those that look through the windows grow dim. When the doors are shut in the streets and the sound of grinding is low. When one rises up at the sound of a bird and all the daughters of music are brought low. Also they are afraid of height and terrors in the way. When the almond tree blossoms, the grasshopper is a burden and desire fails. For man goes to his eternal home and the mourners go about in the streets. Remember your creator Before the silver cord is loosed or the golden bowl is broken or the pitcher shattered at the fountain or the wheel broken at the well when the dust will return to the earth as it was and the spirit will return to God who gave it. Vanity of vanities says the preacher. All is vanity. Amen. We thank God for this reading from his truth. Well, let's come before God now in prayer and ask for his help to understand it. Let's pray. Our gracious God, we praise and thank you for the message of the book of Ecclesiastes. We thank you that throughout this book, you have been teaching us and instructing us. You have been growing us as disciples of the Lord Jesus Christ. We pray that you would continue with us today that you would help us to focus and to concentrate, but especially that you would give us that supernatural gift of the Holy Spirit, that we may understand what you, the God of heaven and earth, are saying to each one of us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well... I don't really know how this happened. Um, I know that it wasn't a university degree or anything like that. But somehow, whenever I was 18 years of age, it seemed to me that my father knew nothing. My dad knew nothing about life in this world, and he definitely knew nothing about the things that I was going through. About my life and my heart. Maybe some of the teenagers here can associate with that. But by the time I reached 21, my father had become the wisest man on the planet. I don't know how he did it, but within the space of three years, he'd managed to learn everything. He had all the answers. He knew exactly what to say to me at the right time. He had all this golden advice. Of course, it wasn't my father who had changed. It was me. And it was only by maturing between those ages of 18 and 21 that I realised how valuable the advice of my father was and still is today. Our passage today very much has that vibe. An older person sharing wisdom and advice with a younger person. Might be that this is advice that's easy to ignore. Maybe you think that you are young and older people have nothing of value to share. Maybe that's in your head. Or maybe you're thinking to yourself, you know, I'm pretty old myself. I'm old enough to have thought things through to have thought deeply enough about everything that concerns me. Either way would be prideful and sinful. And it also neglects, I think, to recognise that this is not simply an older person speaking to a younger person. This is God's word, the inspired word of God. And so is advice from the very creator of the heavens and the earth. You see, we we live in an interesting time. We live in a time when youth and vitality is actually valued way more than age and wisdom. My guess is that many of us here would prefer to look younger and maybe even be younger than we are today. Rather than than gain the wisdom that comes with the blessing of years, we probably would be happy to turn the clock back a few years. Think about the beauty industry or the health industry. They're worth many billions of pounds. Looking and feeling young is a priority for so many people. There's many of us probably who look in the mirror and we're not quite pleased with what we see I remember hearing the Christian University professor, Carl Truman, talk about 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 12. And he said, this is one of the hardest verses in the Bible to understand in our day and age. Do you know what the verse is? It's the verse where Paul tells Timothy, let no one despise your youth. Let no one look down on you because of your youthfulness, but instead be an example to, to the believers. In our culture, It would be shocking if anybody was looked down upon because they're young. Youth is celebrated. And in many discussions and debates in the church, as well as in the wider world, the voice of young people is prioritised. Now, if I'm honest, in many ways, I think that's a very good thing. But not if we prioritise the young at the expense of hearing from those who have lived life. And to have the wisdom which only comes through experience. Elsewhere in Paul's instructions to Titus about how the church should function, he suggests that older men should teach younger men about being men, and that older women should teach younger women about being women. Now I'm sure that this happens in this congregation. I know it does both formally through the likes of Sunday school and maybe even things like PW, but also informally with parents, family members, talking to children and young people. But maybe we should all think about how can I play a more significant role in this? Younger people here today, do you ever seek out the advice of older people? People who have been there and done that? Older believers in the church? And older people here today, do, do you intentionally use your time to give it to the younger people in our church? We are a multi- and intergenerational congregation. I think we should lean into that as much as we possibly can. It's a good thing. With age comes wisdom. Life experience brings wisdom. And that is no less true for those of us who are Christians. So we need to embrace that in our fellowship. But the Bible is also very realistic today about the aging process. Because yes, there is wisdom, but there are also many things about getting old that are not pleasant and not enjoyable. The message of chapter 12, verses 2 to 6 is a realistic but harsh lesson. Aging is not pleasant. It's not enjoyable. In many ways, it's a slow death. It would be fair to look at these verses and say, Age, aging is really a disease. And it only ever ends in death. Just look at chapter 12, verse three with me. The keepers of the house Are the arms and the hands. Which once in younger days were able to lift large things. But in old age. They struggle even to get a cup of tea to the mouth. The strong men are legs. Once able to run and jump and skip. In old age confined to shuffling behind a Zimmer frame. The grinders are the teeth which fall out as we get older. The windows are the eyes, the doors are the ears, both of which fail in varying degrees as we get older. And so the question that we need to ask is, how young do we need to be to listen to this message today? Well, I want to suggest that it's for every single one of us. Because if you're fit to be here then although you might know something of old age, you've not reached this stage yet. You're still able to be up and about to church. So it's for every single one of us. And God has two things that he wants to teach us today in the words of the preacher. Two things while we're young. Rejoice in youth and remember your creator. Rejoice in youth and remember your creator. Rejoice in youth. I know we've covered this in previous weeks as we've looked at the book of Ecclesiastes, but it's an important point. We should repeat it. Life is meant to be enjoyable. I know there's a, a caricature of Ulster Scots Presbyterians. We are a dull and dour people. But if we ever stopped to think for a moment about the things we believe, about the prayers we pray or the songs that we sing, then we as Christians, of all people in all the world, have more reason for joy than anyone else. We all have our own personal views of life and some people are more optimistic. They see the glass as half full, whereas others see it as half empty But it does seem that at times we've decided to make one of our distinctives in the church to recognise that the glass isn't full yet. To be sober and serious all the time. And there are times when we should be serious. Serious faces, sober hearts, but not all the time. The world that God has made is good. It is wonderfully beautiful. Think about the week we've just had. The sun has shone on us. And if we follow the weather forecast, the sun will shine on us for the next week. But I'm sure there are some of you who are already ready to complain because it hasn't started raining yet. You're ready for the rain. Smiling is not sinful. Laughing and joking is not sinful. We as people who are made by God and know that we've been made by God, placed here and now for his purposes, we should rejoice in the life that God has given us. There is a sense, I think, sometimes in the church that we are joyful in a a grin and bear it kind of way. We're joyful even though we're walking through the valley of the shadow of death. We muster up joy despite circumstances. But the word of God is saying to you today, rejoice in your youth. If you can run and jump and skip, then take great pleasure in running and jumping and skipping. God has blessed you with legs and arms, so use them while you can. In his commentary on Ecclesiastes, David Gibson quotes an essay by a man called Douglas Jones And the contention of the essay is that the reason many Christian cultures through the centuries have failed is not because of poor doctrine. It's not because of inadequate evangelism. It's because they lacked joy. Just think if someone came in here today, if a stranger came into our service today, do you think they would be able to tell from our faces that we are the most joyful people in all the world? We have the good news of Jesus, the best news ever, and yet our faces barely crack with the delight of who we are in Christ. Smiling is not sinful. In fact, it might be sinful not to enjoy life, not to rejoice in your youth, because it's a denial of God's goodness to us in creation. I had to drive to Kilkeel last week for a meeting. And and as I got to the end of the main street in Warren Point, and I saw the, the calm, still, flat of the water, and the mountains running down to it from either side and all their drama, I was just blown away. I just had to rejoice in what God has created. This world is beautiful, and it's not wrong to feel that. It's not wrong to look out over the fields in the last week and enjoy the sun shining down on those drawing silage. Rejoice that you're able to see such things, that your eyes are able to actually see it. Rejoice in your youth. Truly the light is sweet and it's pleasant for the eyes to behold the sun. Rejoice, O young man, in your youth. And let your heart cheer you in the days of your youth. Walk in the ways of your heart and in the sight of your eyes. We do know the first answer and question of the Shorter Catechism, but do we believe it? Do we live it out? Do we live as if the main reason we are here on this earth is to glorify God and enjoy Him forever? God's word is commanding you today, no matter what age you are, rejoice. Rejoice in your youth. One way you might start to do that is to begin exercising gratitude for the small things. Recognise that that piece of chocolate or the, the sip of cold lemonade is a gift from God. As you climb into your warm bed tonight, thank God for his goodness. Rejoice in your youth. And that moves us to our second point because God has created all these things so we should remember our creator. There are young people here today and I want to say to the young people, there's a sense in which you might hear what I'm saying and you might take it as an excuse to go and do what you like. Maybe you've listened to previous sermons in this series and you've heard me say things like, drink good wine. And you thought, there's my minister saying, go and get sloshed. That's not what I'm saying. That's absolutely not what I'm saying. We rejoice in our youth. We enjoy the life that God has blessed us with. But that doesn't give us an excuse to do whatever we like. It's a command to enjoy God and his goodness. And part of that." is that you remember your creator. You remember that you have been made by God. And so you enjoy the things that God has given, but not outside of the bounds of his commandments. Enjoy good wine, but never to the point of drunkenness. Enjoy good food, but never to the point of gluttony. Remember your Creator. Because he is the one who has made you and given you life. Remember to serve him and to worship him with the things that he has given you. That means that it's right and appropriate to listen to God's word. To listen to God's commands. And to follow them. In fact, what the Bible's saying is that you can't really enjoy life or rejoice in your youth unless you remember your creator. Kate and I watched a movie recently called Super 8. And in the movie, there's a train crash. A car hits the train and it comes off the tracks and causes massive damage. I know it's only a movie, but the point is this. Trains are not meant to run on the road or on the grass. A train is built to run on the tracks. And so it is with your life. If you want to live your best life, if you want to have that today, then you need to remember your Creator. Follow His commandments. Listen to His word. Don't think you can do things your own way. A, a train off the tracks leads to disaster. And that's what your life will be if you try to live it your own way absolute disaster. Think about a goldfish. Think about the goldfish in the bowl. He, he might look at the world outside the bowl and think, I want some of that. I want to lie on that sofa. It looks really comfortable. I want to roll in the grass out there in the garden. That looks fun. And so the goldfish musters up all his energy and he jumps from the bowl and he lands on the carpet. And within minutes, he's dead. Remember your creator. God has made you and he has placed you under his rule and reign. Trying to live outside of God's good and perfect law is like a goldfish trying to live outside of the bowl. It's only going to lead to death. Remember your creator. I know that other things might look enjoyable. Peer pressure is great, especially by all of those who are in their teens and early 20s. I get that. I've been there, I've done it. It doesn't lead to joy. Only in Christ is there abundant and overflowing life. Only in Christ do we know the joy of pastures green and still waters. Remember your creator. He's leading you, he's guiding you. Follow Jesus. Don't follow anybody else. In John's Gospel Jesus describes himself as the door to the sheep pen in John chapter 10, and also as the good shepherd. And Jesus speaks about the thief, the thief who comes to kill and steal and destroy. And that's what the things of this world do to us. When we forget our creator and we run after the things of this world, they kill us, they destroy us, and they steal from us. But Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full, abundant life. Life is, that is for your good and for your enjoyment. Rejoice in your youth. Remember your creator. Both of these are done ultimately by looking to Jesus, thinking upon all that he has done for us, rejoicing in the glory of sins forgiven and everlasting life. Remembering that we've been created for that everlasting relationship with Jesus. A relationship that only comes from from turning away from the sinful things of this world and turning to him. Jesus is your creator. Is Jesus your joy? This world is a confusing and depressing place. That's been really evident as we've read through this book of Ecclesiastes. There's only really one answer to all of that. Jesus Christ. Jesus is the only one who can make sense in all the confusion. He's the only one who can bring true and lasting joy. And so as he comes to the end of his sermons, the preacher of Ecclesiastes wants us to do two things. Rejoice in your youth and remember your creator. There are many ways you can do that. Be grateful for the small things. Make public worship a priority and rejoice in it, both in your heart and on your face. Read God's word. Speak to him in prayer. Ask him for joy. If you find joy hard to come by, ask God. And friends, do it now. Do it today while you are still able. Do it while you are young. Because old age is coming if you're blessed to make it to old age. Life is meant to be lived for all the joy and blessing that Christ brings us here and now and even forevermore. Let me pray for us.